Welcome to a special bonus episode of Film Fight Club. I'm Chris Evans, and joined by Virat Nehru, today we're interviewing Sydney Film Festival documentary programmer Jenny Neighbour. Jenny, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. The fest is just happening. I think it was opening night yesterday. How was it for you to finally see it being realised after the yeah, after two years? Uh, it was uh, a very long two years. We did an online, a smaller online programme last year, but then we had to, as we moved from June this year to August and finally November, we had to kind of keep the momentum going, um, everyone working from home, everyone kind of looking forward, working hard, but keeping their fingers crossed. So at the end of last night, there was a real sense of relief that we're back in the cinemas and the audience is back in the cinemas. Um, and we can finally get to see films on the big screen again. It's unusual for this festival to be held in November, usually obviously taking place in June. Did the shifting of the festival to later in the year present difficulties or more opportunities or a little bit of both for you in putting together the program? Oh, definitely a little bit of both. Um, as I say, it was very hard to kind of just keep kind of treading water while we were waiting to see what was going to happen. But on the other hand, we kept watching films. So some of the films we have in this year's festival um, were from Venice and Toronto this year. The documentaries like uh, Alleluia, the Leonard Cohen documentary, Burning, Eva Orner's film was in Toronto. And so was the rescue in Toronto. And in a normal year, we they we would just wouldn't get those because of the timing. We'd be in June. So actually, uh, talking about burning, if you could tell us about the significance of the Documentary Australia Foundation Award, which I think was won by Burning and announced yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. No, actually, um, Burning won our Sustainable Futures Award. Uh, it wasn't oh. actually in the Documentary Australia Foundation lineup. It came in too late for that lineup. We'd already locked the lineup in by the time oh. I saw it. So, but the the Documentary Australia Foundation, which is twelve Australian documentaries, it's important for Australian filmmakers because it's both prestigious and it has prize money, but it's also an opportunity for people to see their films on the big screen. Uh, often, Australian documentaries don't get a theatrical release, so or they might get the odd screening around the country, but on the whole, they're seen on television, on the small screen. And so this is a chance for the filmmakers to kind of meet their audience, if you like. What sort of criteria is there in choosing the winner for this award? The, the jury picks the winner. The selection mm. process is very much looking for uh, a story that's well told. So in the sense that the film team, whether it's um, the director and crew or a solo director or editor, um, they've actually delivered what they intended. So it's very hard to kind of make a call about a film that's on, that's a very personal story versus one that's um, an exploration of a moment in time. Um, for instance, a story about a country music singer versus a story about Indigenous incarceration in Australia. So it's very hard to kind of make a judgment call between those topics, but you can certainly make a call on whether that, the story, the content, the subject, um, whether the filmmakers got that across to you at all. Program curation always feels like a mystery to me, especially because Sydney Film Festival always has their set strands as well. Were there any kind of broader themes for you that emerged as you created the program? It is organic, but we always kind of strive to represent the conversation that's being had in the world. 
but obviously sometimes there aren't the films made about that. Sometimes it's more of a, a news issue rather than a, a longer, a bigger topic. But we do strive to look at those themes that are emerging. But also I find that when I set out to watch films to choose them for the festival, sometimes particular issues might be there and you think they're going to be obvious, whether it's the environment being an ongoing issue but this year, other things came to the fore as well, like um, Hong Kong, for instance, particularly as they've just announced the new laws around film censorship. So films like When a City Rises, about the Hong Kong pro-democracy activism, maybe that won't be ever made or seen again, that kind of film. And then others are about community, I think. And maybe that's a, you know, you see things through the prism of your own experience, of course. And um, films like A Fire Inside, and it looks at how communities dealt with the bushfires and also the post-pandemic effects of that. And so I think sometimes you, you kind of are searching for things and you find them, or sometimes something's there and you didn't know you were searching for it. Well, documentaries have this advantage over narrative features in that they can speak to the present moment with uh, issues like the Hong Kong protests or, or COVID, I suppose. Yes. Were you looking to, um, given that this festival has very much been defined by COVID over the past few years, reflect that in some way, even if just on a, a level of like focusing on community? Sometimes the longer form documentary, if you like, takes a little while to emerge after an issue. And I did wonder whether there were films that talked about the pandemic. I think the features have been a little bit ahead of the documentaries in that, in that they referenced them maybe as a narrative thread through a different story. Mm. Um, but I think other films like A Filmmaker's House, uh, which is filmmaker Mark Isaacs, he's completely frustrated being at home. Um, there's a lack of funding and commercial dictates say you've got to make this and this. Not exactly a COVID film, you made it just before, but it's very much about the things that stop you making the story you want to make. And, right. and so I think you kind of sometimes see things in, you know, you see a film like that against the background of COVID as well. And obviously some of the issues that two years ago were very big, um, the issues about women in the industry in particular was kind of very much in the public eye at that point. And so seeing films like Writing With Fire, which is about female Indian journalists, uh, strong female lead about uh, Julia Gillard and female politicians generally, and then about female scientists like How to Kill a Cloud and the Seeds of Vandana Shiva. So I'm very, you're very conscious that, that those things perhaps came out of that discussion, or they may already have been in the mix to start with. I've always found that it's sometimes difficult to get people excited about documentaries because everyone wants to watch the features and not enough people want to watch the docos. But often documentaries are leading the pack when it comes to experimental form and pushing the form. So in terms of pushing cinematic boundaries, what are some of the docos that are doing that in this program? Well, certainly Flea, which is a documentary that's animated, but based on real life conversations and a real life story of an Afghan refugee, as he told it to the filmmaker. It was animated so he can hide his identity. It was a huge hit at Sundance early this year, um, and that's screening in our official competition. But then there are other films like Taming the Garden, again, which was in Sundance early this year. It's an observational piece, but very different. 
in that it kind of makes the audience try and work out what's happening. Why is this happening? You have to really consider it. It doesn't kind of give you an easy answer. And then there's others like Andrea Arnold's film, which was selected for Cannes this year, which is a portrait of a cow, like basically not so much a year in the life, but a kind of season of life of a cow on a farm in England. So very different, but again, makes the audience see things in a different way. Two films that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Actually, Virat told me he's caught Flea already, I think, at Sundance uh, online, and it yeah. was his favorite film of the year, actually. Yeah, I think you yeah, mentioned it's a wonderful three, film. Um, you mentioned three of my favorite films in the program, so I'm, I'm very happy. <laughs> I think they'll be my okay. three from the program myself. So there you go. Uh, there, there's, always, there's one other as well, I don't know if you've managed to catch, called The Lost Leonardo, which is, it's like, you think because it's said in the art world, it's going to be this contemplative, very serious thing. It's like a thriller. It's like a complete scandalized thriller. It's just the rockiest ride. I think it still has one screening. So you catch up with it. Might have to rejigger my schedule around and catch it. <laughs> so this year, it's the first time that SFF has had both the online component that was introduced last year and an in-cinema component. We noticed when we were looking over that a lot of documentaries are represented in the on-demand section. Do you think that this is going to incentivize more people to check out documentaries? And were there any other considerations than you might normally have as programmer in putting together the online format? Well, we, I mean, we love seeing audiences in the cinema. We're about the cinema experience and that sense of community and discussion and debate. But we realise not everyone is comfortable quite yet getting to the cinema or not everyone can make the trip to Sydney. So we thought it was very important to have an offering for people outside of the city, people mm. who kind of uh, just want to see it online and want to share in that festival experience in some small way but we really love to get people in the cinema but we did feel that we had a responsibility to give people another option as well mm, we appreciate it yeah and finally you've already mentioned quite a lot of films but i will put you on the spot to name some of your top picks and recommendations if you have any that i know us cinephiles might actually be on the board but if people are trying to fill up their flexi passes which i hope they have got flexi passes if not i hope they buy them what would you say? Well, because I programmed all the documentaries, I, you know, I clearly believe they're all worth viewing. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are a few things because I'm a big Courtney Barnett fan, but also because I totally miss seeing live music. So I'd give a shout out to Anonymous Club, which is Courtney Barnett talking in, in a video diary way about being on the road, the experience of performing, of creating music, of writing. I think it's a really insightful piece and really worth seeing. Another that I love is Four Seasons in One Day because it is such a charming film, but also a really novel take on Brexit. It's a version of the Brexit kind of outcomes that you have not seen or heard. And so I found that quite extraordinary. And of course, a story of film, A New Generations, and the cult filmmaker Mark Cousins, who's just put together like clip after clip and conversation after conversation, all based on films from the 21st century. So it has like, my favorite combination, book smart and active killing. <laughs> wow. You can't miss. <laughs> I would uh, delve into my Mark Cousins impersonation now, but I'll save you. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, save me. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for the interview, Jenny. We're really looking forward to exploring the program with our own eyes. Thank you so much. My pleasure, and I hope you enjoyed too.